0: Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sits down with Charles Anderson, the CEO and founder of Arrow. Let's jump in as Casey and Charles talk about the changing behaviors of farmers and how they're researching and buying equipment.
1: I have Charles Anderson here with me. He's from. He's the CEO and founder of Arrow and he's a guy that I have had and I've seen the privilege of, of of knowing here. He's a smart guy, knows a lot of different stuff, and he is really trying to, to uh, look at the way the things are being done now and, and kind of positioning things for the future. So, Charles, how you doing, man? Yeah,
0: Casey, what's going on? Good to see you. I'm a co-founder
1: of co-founder. Hero, and it, Okay. It
0: takes, it takes a village. There's a bunch of us, uh, but thank you. Uh, yeah. it's, good to, it's good to see you. It's great to see you in, uh, in Nashville a few weeks ago too. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you can make that down. There I know you had a tight schedule and I appreciate the fact that you could get out there and give your presentation.
0: No, I loved it. I mean, such good people in the audience. It's a unique group of um say like-minded people in the equipment industry who are trying to change the business and change the model and push forward. And so it
1: always makes for a fun, a fun conversation. Yep. Yeah. And you know, the the reason that we try to push and change so much is because of what our customers' demands are and what that looks like. True. And I think you can see that the uh when i first started doing this back in 2000 i got in the, i got in the actual equipment business in 2006 and i i had a few other jobs that kind of led up to um to to my my stint here in the uh equipment business but it was you know the early 2000s and i remember going out and seeing customers and talking to them and some of those customers really embraced the idea of the internet and thought hey you know this is great we can we can do so much more and be so much more connected to what we see happening um our you know the way we do business now is is becoming easier and easier to have contact with our customers and mm-hmm. some you know had the whole the internet's a fad and it's going to go back to the way it was and i'm sure somebody somewhere said you know the uh, the tractor's a fad we're going to be sticking with horses forever actually <laughs> one of the CEOs true. of John Deere did say that <laughs> so i mean a long time ago so i mean that was that was one of those one of those turning points of time, and I think what you see now um, with what Tesla's doing, with how you buy houses now, I and mean, so much of the stuff that you're doing is is so um, internet driven, and the way that you deal with your customer, where you look at your customer, and those kind of things. I've said for a long time, I always wanted my goal to be the I wanted to be the first guy to sell a combine on uh, on Amazon. So. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that'll that'll happen, and I can I can put my name <laughs> in, in history for that. But I, but I think <laughs> it's not that far away that I can you know do something like that and, and talk and do that. But so yeah, I guess, no, I think it's such a that, fascinating.
0: Thoughts, yeah, it's just such a fascinating shift with what we do, and I, I wish I would do why. I don't know if it was because of COVID or because technology caught up or something, but I've been studying the metrics with how this buying behavior has changed for for ten years now. And everything is different from before COVID and after COVID. And I don't know if that's because the day boomers are getting older and their kids are now starting to make purchase decisions. But something has really turned where people are starting their search for equipment on their phones. And when that happened, all of the math changed. And so it's interesting. I don't even look at it as Internet or not anymore. It's a given that people, the majority of people have some version of a smartphone today. Yeah. and so that's that's kind of a given and so it's more of a like how are you doing your research to figure out what you're going to buy and that's going to dictate the next step much more than internet or not that so that to me is an absolute foregone conclusion i don't know what do you think
1: you know i we still have i still run across a customer too still have a flip phone and and mm-hmm. they're they're fighting that tooth nail, but they may have a flip phone but somebody in their um organization somewhere has the smartphone and understands how to use the internet and understands the power of what's going on around them. They're just mm-hmm. more directing that customer around. You know, from a podcast perspective, you can look at my podcast numbers and my podcast numbers go up between April and, and June. And that's that's playing season and, and early in harvest. You know, um, they, they taper a little bit and they start to pick back up during, Uh, fall harvest and you see the same peak there and you see that same peak kind of ride all the way through till about January then you start seeing some people kind of fade off but it all it's the same that you see the buying pattern too I mean it's the same thing so it shows you that more and more people are in the cabs of these tractors that are for all intents and purposes fully autonomous they just need to have someone monitor and monitor inside the tractor and you know they are out making those buying decisions. You see people doing that. I mean, it's not like true. They're just in there watching movies or whatever. I mean, they're doing stuff while they're in there, um, listening to things, looking stuff up on the internet. All these different things they have going on around them. So, you're right. I have a question I mean, for you on the uh, on your flip phone customer, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, or
0: customers, however many many it is. Do those customers text from their flip phone?
1: Yeah, they will. They don't like doing it, but they will. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yep. <laughs> so um, in today's market, you can, as as you actually, I quoted you in my presentation at Moving Iron, you mm-hmm. closed a multi-million dollar deal over text message in 2021, right? Right. Yep. So that's me that, that maybe smartphone was the wrong way to say, it. maybe cell phone is the right way to say it, is that people are using
1: their cell phones today to Figure out what they're gonna buy, and how much they're gonna pay. Would you agree with that? Or do you see oh, different thousand percent? I mean, yeah, you what you're carrying in your pocket is not just a phone, that's just such a small part of what it actually is. I mean, um, it's it's a bigger, it's a it's a mini computer in your pocket. I mean, you can do all the stuff on my cell phone. I have an iPhone, so everything on your iPhone I can do for mm-hmm. for the most part, I can do on my on my Mac, right? There's a few things yeah. you can't do, but I mean for the most part. I can do an Excel spreadsheet on my phone. I can, I can, you know, just look at stuff on the internet and all those kind of things anymore. I can, you know, I, a funny thing. I, my uh, wife and kids and I were sitting up in the in the living room last night talking about something, and we were trying to remember a fact, and I don't remember what we were talking about. And I and I, I looked it out. All of us, and we all had, we all had our phones within arm's length of where we were at. Right? And I'm like, I mean, just somebody pick that up and Google it real quick, and then we could figure it out real fast. I mean the world the information of the entire world is at your fingertips right. I mean, you just dial, right. and dial, how
0: numbers yeah. you need to go. and how you consume that information is personal preference if it's if it's, it's an article you're going to read if it's sure. a video if it's pictures like there's filters at the top of google for you to consume the information with how yeah. your brain works best which is crazy
1: yeah it's totally there the, the information you need to solve, whatever issue that you're looking at, is literally at your fingertips. And just like you said, if you need to see videos, like YouTube, I, I don't watch YouTube for anything much other than trying to find, if I need to fix something, I'll Google it, you know, yeah. and go to YouTube and how do you fix or whatever, you know, and, and kind of run through the things. And it's amazing what you can find there, um, what kind of, how much information is there for free, as long as you can do what they're asking you to do. And just getting that information out to people and, and the way it's done now is you know I, I doing something my my son's truck the other day I don't remember even what it was an electrical thing. I don't even remember what it was, but there were there were like 40 videos on the exact same thing by 40 different people showing you how they right. do the exact same thing. And it was all from a different angle. So I watched I think I watched 25 of them. And they're quick two two minute to five minute videos on how to do whatever that I was doing. But that was, you know, you think about that, you put that into true dollars, that probably saved me 200 or 300 bucks of diagnostic time at the garage, you know, to get in my, get my, my son's truck looked at. So no question, you know what I mean? So it's little things like that, that just, that add up so quick and it's just there for the taking.
0: And the people who create the videos are very enthusiastic about what they're doing. Like they love their equipment. They love, they love their process. They are sometimes they're paid for, for doing it, but most Mm -hmm. of the time they just like creating the content in exchange for a thumbs up on their video
1: it's crazy. Yep. yep. So it kind of comes back to how how as a as a dealership, how do we capitalize on that? You know, here's some yes. here's some free for something down the road that we need to capitalize on that. And I think and I think that's something like, you know, like the slide you have up here of Elon Musk. He's done a good job of capitalizing on here's a little bit of free and then here's what here's how you're going to here's how I'm going to make my money. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think you're starting to see more and more of that where people, you know, they it's almost like a like a partnership of sorts. I mean, I know always bind is, is always a partnership, but it's more of like a, a real life I'm gonna do this for you, you do this for me and we'll meet in the middle, and we'll both be happy and it's kind of it's kind of that partnership, I guess is the best way to put it.
0: I really enjoyed the conversation at this year's Moving Iron Summit, and thanks for the privilege to to speak again. Um, I had a lot of good follow up questions on the topic of what does the future of the dealership look like? And I don't own a dealership. We're not a dealership ourselves, but we have been delivering software for dealers for for 10 years now. And so I have a lot of experience thinking through not the dealership model, but from the customer's perspective, how that customer ideally would interact with the dealer. And so I thought this was a, a really relevant, just like very several minute conversation. I wanted to share uh, some of the things that I've learned by studying Tesla, because I think in a lot of ways, Tesla is similar and the auto industry is similar to dealerships. In a lot of ways, it's completely different. And so I thought I would just highlight some of those quickly and that be relevant for your audience, if that's okay.
1: Absolutely, sounds great.
0: Sure, so this, this is an Elon Musk quote, uh, and he said this uh, a couple of years ago, and he said this obviously after, um, after Tesla was already proven, I'll read the quote for those who don't have the screen in front of them, which is, the problem with car dealerships is you've already decided what you want to buy before you even go there. You're really just going there to talk through some sort of annoying negotiation. You're going there to have an annoying negotiation. And if we're honest with ourselves, I don't think anybody enjoys the process of buying a car. I hate it. I would also hate it. Nobody, no one has said for a long time, man, I just love buying a car. It doesn't happen. Unless you know of someone, I've never heard that.
1: I've never heard anyone say that.
0: But so the counter, counter argument to that is, I think we all enjoy looking for a new car, the process of searching online for a new car. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, the excitement of finding the new car is great, yes.
0: Right, the joy, the enthusiasm, the images. And so what I think we take away from from this, and this, I, one of the cool things about equipment versus the auto industry is that in the equipment market, there are massive manufacturers who have built things that are not going to be displaced. You're not going to displace deer. You're not going to displace cat. It's just, it's not going to happen. They have such a head start and they have decade, over a hundred years of proving that there's a best way to do it. And so you're not going to invent an electric tractor that's going to displace what's already out there unless you're deer displacing your own products. And, but we can look at the parallels because Elon has done a lot of things that basically helps us to see how has he solved for the buyer? Because the person buying the Tesla is the same human being as the person buying the tractor. Um, if you haven't seen a Tesla dealership live, and I live in Los Angeles, and these are all over uh, the middle of the country and, and the coasts. Um, if you haven't seen a Tesla dealership live, I'd encourage you to go to a mall in Los Angeles, in New York, and walk through this experience. And when you walk into the Tesla experience, and I know that that Deer is working on something like this as well, walking into a Tesla dealership is like casual shopping at the mall where you're going not to order the car, but to window shop what the vehicle's like. Have you ever been to one of these Tesla dealerships?
1: I've, I've walked by them several times, but I've never actually been in one. It's it's wild. Like it's just, you know why is, you know why I'd ever been in one? Cuz yeah. I don't like I hate the process of buying a car. So that's my first assumption that <laughs> as soon as I walk in there they're going to be, you know, someone trying to hard sell me on something as soon as I walk in the door.
0: So funny. So I've never bought a Tesla before. I have gone through the experience and I do know that you actually if you were to walk into a Tesla and you were to to buy one and I'll show you what the process looks like, it's all digital. You actually sign the loan docs inside the Tesla on the screen. And I'm I'll, gonna I'll skip to the end here, but you're focused on reserving your vehicle, not paying for your vehicle. So a question for you, if you can share this, awesome. If you can't, mm-hmm. then talk in generalities. Um, your dealership that you work for, what percentage of your new assets do you have sitting on a yard right now?
1: Uh, like for sale or stuff that people have bought or what do you mean? Just in uh, available
0: to buy. Yeah, oh, if I wanted to man. buy a brand new, call it 2022. Do you have no, any available no. 2022s right now? No. No. Not, not zero. Not that zero percent. Say,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. So then, if if that's true, if I wanted to buy it, a new tractor, I'm buying something that doesn't exist today. Is that true?
1: That's a fair statement. Yes.
0: Okay. How how do you do that today?
1: Um, you know, you go through the, you know, the whole quoting process and the building of the of the equipment online there, and you send a quote to the customer and they look it over and talk about the trade-in and those kind of things and go through that process. And then when you get to the end, you, you send it to them and more times than not, you do an electronic signature type of deal, sign type of thing. But I mean, yeah, there's multiple steps to it. It's not as easy as just pulling it up online and checking a box.
0: No. And and my point of that is to show that Tesla figured this out years ago. Meaning what you just described, Tesla figured out probably seven or eight years ago, which was I can sell assets that I don't actually have. If I show you a picture of an asset, a PDF or just a picture, If 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 I show you something virtually or I let you touch one tractor, one Tesla that's enough information for you to make a decision to buy. You're doing this right now all day long, Casey, where you actually are also selling things that you don't have available based on information about the machine. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, but I'd also say the reason we don't have machines set in the lot right now is, is truly a, a supply chain issue. It's not a, because we do it that way normally. If this was any other year, we'd have, you know, we might have eight or nine tractors out front for you to come look at and and, and buy eat at each store. You know, you might have, two or three combines sitting out there those kind of things i mean so uh, typically we wouldn't have like one one machine sitting out there like this is what it looks like and we can order yours online um Mm -hmm. it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily be like that it would be more of a here's what we have for inventory if you want to order one we can but it's you know six nine months from now you're going to get it type of thing
0: Get back to the conversation in a minute, but first I wanted to invite you to join us virtually this December eighth and ninth for Ag Equipment Intelligence's executive briefing. To learn more and to register, visit agequipmentintelligence dot slash executive briefing. Now back to Casey and Charles. Now let me unpack that because I think that's really interesting. Because you now have proven, you've proven that you don't need to have an asset sitting on the yard in order to sell it. Would you agree with
1: that? I agree. Yes.
0: Okay, and that's the same thing that Tesla proved as well. And so, do you think as supply chain gets worked out and called 2024, 2025, Who knows when the supply chain chaos is now solved? Do you think that dealers are going to skew more towards what it used to be, which is order inventory, let it sit on, and I'll have eight available, and you can come pick one? Or do you think it's going to stay more in this direction of pre-order it and deliver it when it comes available?
1: I think in in the farming business and the equipment business, you'll have a more of a hybrid approach to that than you will interesting a consumer end of it. And the reason for that is the majority of the equipment that people buy and they know they need. Um, but there is the my combine caught on fire and burnt to the ground. I need another combine now. So that's going to be one of those kind of just in time inventory type things. I think a little bit to some extent. You know, yep. a tools or something like that too, where you have, um, you know. I hate to say that a baylor's is an impulse buy, but a Baylor, you know, a $60,000 Baylor, a $40,000 Baylor coming to buy that because the one they had, it blew up and they need to get a new one to get through the last cutting of, of, hay type of thing. Some of that will be planned purchases. And I think that's going to be 75 to 80% of, of the overall approach to what we see now. And that last, you know, 25 to 20%, or yeah. whatever that is, that'll be some kind of a, We've got this one you can have. That's that's your choice, or we can order you one type of thing. So I think yeah. it will be it'll be but it won't be like it was in the past, where <clears throat> and, and the reason for that too, in my opinion, is we're talking about some serious dollars sitting here on on floor planning, you know, interest. You're talking about mm. if you have five new combines. For the out for there, the
0: dealers, right? Yeah,
1: for the dealers. So okay. you have five new combines sitting out there, how you might got two and a half million dollars worth of with equipment out there at, you know, four and a half, five, 6%, who knows what interest rates are going to do. You know, next thing you know, you're, you're paying some real money every day and the actual interest costs. So now there, so it's not like it was 20 years ago where you had a piece of equipment that was, right. you know, a 10th of what it costs now. <clears throat> so now you're, you really, Especially with interest rates going up yeah. too. And that's a big problem with that. I think the overall approach to the way, the dealership looks at business and also the way the customer looks because the customer doesn't want the machine any earlier than they can get it either. I mean, they want it to show mm-hmm. up just in time to get it set up, you know, ready to go for whatever they're going to go do with it. you? know They don't, they don't want to plan to show up in September. They want it to show up in, you know, whenever, you know, sometime between January and March, depending on when, when right. they, they start planning. Right. Because there again, it's interest costs to them, you know, what that looks like and those kind of things, or it's, you know, capital expenditures out, you know, and all those things that matter and how all those things flow that there's, there's going to be more of a demand to get things delivered to the customer and to the dealership in time. I don't want to say just in time, because I think COVID taught us a lesson about just in time inventory and what that looks like, but it's going to be more of a, of us, of a, of a seasonal approach of when to start manufacturing that piece to get it out to the customer at the right time. And I think to your point here about t- those kind of things, that that's going to be more thought out than just showing up one day saying, Hey, you know what? I need to get up $300,000 something. The the, 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 the so, quote unquote cheaper stuff, you know, $75,000. Yeah. So less. I think those are always you kind of a quote unquote impulse buy stuff, but the the big ticket stuff will be Way more thought out than I think it's been in the past.
0: So, if you, I just want to, I want to separate and better understand what you're saying because the the customer who's doing the impulse Baylor purchase mm-hmm. is that same customer doing an impulse tractor purchase, or is there almost no such thing as an
1: impulse tractor purchase? Probably, probably not on the tractor. the The baler impulse right. thing is because something happened. Either you know okay. they, they they catch on fire from time to time, or it could be just a, such a catastrophic failure that. They want to get it fixed, but they just don't have the time to get it fixed because, you know, it broke because they were using it and they need to get the the, yeah. the hay bale that they're working with. So those kind of things, I think, are more on that. Not to say that kind of stuff doesn't happen with combines, but it's not it's not as frequent as as you would think as it would be. Understood. Understood. So then unpacking that
0: a little bit more, if your gut is, let's say in 20, let's say in 2019, pre-COVID, if you can remember that different world. Mm-hmm. In 2019, if a typical store had 10 uh, brand new assets sitting on the yard, five were large and five were small, say five tractors, five balers, just mm-hmm. for argument's sake. Today, if there's 10 sitting on the yard again, how many of those are going to be large purchases and how many are going to be small purchases with all the information we have, cost of interest, et cetera, et cetera?
1: You know, I think... It, you know, just in today's market, because of the shortage of of equipment, those kind of things, I think all that stuff would sell real quick, regardless of what it was. I mean, I guess to answer your question, I would say if you had a a four hundred fifty thousand dollar row crop tractor sitting there um, mm-hmm. that just showed up and nobody's name is on it, and then someone came and looked at it and said, you know what, I want to I want to get that machine. They could have been thinking about it for a while, and then here's my here's my opportunity to come get that machine. But they've been it's not something where they woke up today saying like I'm going to go buy a tractor today. It's you know they they they've had that process in in process in play trying to find the one they want yep. up until this point, and then you know lo and behold here here's the here's one I've been looking for. I'm ready to make a move on this one. Most of that stuff is bought. And this time of the year too. I mean, it's you know end of the year tax season, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of guys looking to buy stuff for tax purposes and those kind of things too. So there could be some of that. But it's it was something that they had had penciled into a budget of some sort, varying levels of advanced budgeting practices. But I mean, there's a <clears throat> that had been on their the forethought of their mind for a while. Got it. So you would
0: say, I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, but we we all as an industry have gotten better both the, the customers and the end user buyers and also the dealers at forecasting because we've had to would you say that yeah because of the circumstances that we're in okay that makes sense and and would you say we're because of that we're moving closer to just in time not further from just in time like we're, we're more to just in time manufacturing and delivering than we were before
1: yeah i'd say so i think i think we've we have kind of set the table for what the new norm looks like when it comes to ordering equipment. I just don't see a dealership just going out and, and just ordering a bunch of stuff for stock. I just I just don't mm-hmm. see that. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's gonna happen. We're gonna order stuff for stock. It's gonna be it's gonna be there, but it's I don't think it's gonna be on the the scale that we've seen before. So that's I think that's fascinating. That that's kind
0: of where I wanted to get us to was there is now a structural change with how we as industry think about what's in stock. And everyone has an incentive to be better at forecasting. Everyone has an incentive to make sure that we're only manufacturing what people need. And as soon as we manufacture and get it to the yard, it's, it's being moved as fast as possible. And the majority of that ideally is being thought through ahead of time. And to me, and everything that you said, Casey was all about the customer experience. You talked about their buying cycle. You talked about their payments. You talked about they didn't wake up and decide they want a tractor. You talked about unless they had a fire on the combine, they need a combine. And so there's some, there's some cushion in there you need to, to think through. But to me, all of those things line up squarely with what Tesla solved already, which is educate the customer about the product. And when the customer is ready, get the product into their hands as fast as possible. Tesla has not done this perfectly, by the way. There's so many stories of Tesla's product shortages and delays, so they're not holding them them out as a gold standard. What I am pointing to is Tesla is bigger than the largest auto manufacturers in the world by a lot. Bigger than Honda, bigger than BMW, bigger than Ford, bigger than GM, bigger than Volkswagen, bigger than Toyota. But they make a lot less cars. They're more valuable than a lot of these companies combined. I mean, they're over 10 times more valuable than Ford, over 10 times more valuable than than GM. And so the whole point of going through this exercise was to get to this kind of punchline, which is the thoughtfulness that you're bringing to the customer experience is the same thoughtfulness that Tesla brought to their customer experience. That allowed them to, as close as possible, get to just-in-time delivery by pre-selling the machines based on what customers actually want to buy. And so my point of view, Is that this will shift how we think about holding things on stock and the buyers have already changed how they're researching and deciding what they're going to buy next that that's kind of my that's my point of view curious if you agree or disagree with that but that's my early conclusion on this
1: yeah i mean i think you i think we're seeing that now i mean especially with the generational shift that we see happening um across the entire spectrum of any industry right now i mean I had this conversation with my mom. She came out and visited me here this last week, and and we were talking about. I don't what we were talking. We were talking about generational thing. I don't even know how we got on the topic, but it was one of those conversations I had where you know I was sitting here and I was like, you know, when you had the difference between your grandparents and your parents as far as mm-hmm. te- technologically advancements go in life, there, there. Don't get me wrong. There were some very major things. You know, talking from horses to to cars i mean that was probably the biggest thing that happened there but there's a big leap there but if you start looking at in mechanization those kind of things when you look at the, the same leap between your parents and in your generation there was not wasn't like there's was a huge leap in in any really magnificent you know change in the way you lived your life from the way your way your parents lived it to the way you lived it right like mean, there was no you know, like today, now we're talking like my my, me and my parents' generation. There's there's a yeah. distinctly different, but they're living in the same situation that I'm living in now, right? So they're living in the same kind of social media, texting things and everything else. My kids are living in a totally different, like totally different than the way I grew up, right? And when I grew up, there was no, I mean you just went away and you ran around town all day. And then you came back and no one, no one was really concerned if you were got hit by a car no. or, you know, no one really, was like, no one <laughs> no. was that worried about what was no. going on with you. They wouldn't now, get an alert
0: on their phone. Like yeah. You I mean, have now
1: to. they've got, if your kid is gone from, you haven't talked to him for 30 minutes, there must be something wrong. I mean, there's, Oh my God, you know, so it's like that constant connection that we see happening now. I mean, it's just, it's mm-hmm. all, all there. And, the difference in technology that my kids are going to grow up with versus the, what I grew up with is it's going to surpass my ability to be involved in it at some point. Right. There's gonna be some point where I'm like, whatever. Okay. I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not getting a hologram phone now. I'm not doing, I'm not doing all that, you know? <laughs> Whereas, you know, my kids are going to be like, this is the way of life that you got to have this to function, you know, and, uh-huh. and I hear my parents say all the time, like, you don't need to have a phone to, to get around. Like, well, you know, when kids, are communicating with their friends anymore? They're not doing the same way of communication that I did when I, you know, we weren't going out and and driving around town on Friday night. We did that kind of stuff when I. Was, you're not doing that now. They do it to some extent, but it's not really the same functionality. So I think this generation yeah. that we have is they want something totally different than probably what they even know because of the way technology is speeding up and 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 how it functionally wraps around in your life i think that's a that's a totally different concept for my generation you know the generation that i'm in and especially my kids generation i mean it's going to be such a, a yeah dynamic change in the way technology the way you buy things the way you communicate the way you do anything i mean to live in the right city you can don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore you just they just deliver it to you i mean it's just yeah you order online and it shows well, up and totally. the information yeah. The information that you have now
0: is completely different. It's night and day. Like you, yeah. We know, you know how long it takes to manufacture, fill in the blank, how long right. it takes. you If you order an Apple online, you know how long it takes for that Apple to be delivered to your house. Yep. You, people used to go to the grocery store and you'd see them in a few hours. You would know where they were. You couldn't find my iPhone to, to track them. It's just, right. uh, there's so much information that is now captured and organized and digested in simple ways for us to figure out when we need what we need, when we want, when we want, I don't know. It's fascinating. ship. Sure. That's a good analogy with your mom. So does she, uh does she have an iPhone?
1: Yeah. She was, she got like a Samsung, whatever, whatever <laughs> that is. But I mean, yeah, she, but it's, it's the same thing. I mean, she does everything on that phone. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, just, there's no turning back. But I think it was, uh Oh, I remember what it was. We are talking about the next generation of the place where she works for coming in and they're wanting to put everything on Excel and, you know, make it all, automated and this, that, and the other thing. The people that worked there were like, why would we do that? It works fine the way we got things rolling now. And I go, well, <laughs> I hear you, <ya>, but <laughs> there is an easier yes. way to do it, you know? <laughs> and yes. uh, think, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was a good conversation.
0: It's, yeah, because we as customers are unwilling to have a bad experience. We're, right. I'm unwilling to let my smartphone take 30 seconds to load. Yep. It needs to happen right away. I'm unwilling to let that happen. And so I, I'll be fascinated to watch over the next ten years how that unwillingness will show up with how fast we expect our our people to respond to us. Yep. How fast I get I expect my quote to come in. I expect digital signatures now. I'm not willing to do physical yep. signatures unless that's a special request. That's unique. That w- ten yep. years ago everybody wanted physical signatures. They thought it was fraud if it was digital.
1: Right. Yep. It's amazing how it's changed in. You know, I think there's um, technology. I guess you can fight it all you want, and you can, you know, scoff at it at every at every turn. But at the end of the day, Charles, you and I both know this: that when, like, biometrics on my cell phone, you know, I can look yeah. at your face and unlock it. I to me, that was the dumbest thing on the planet because now <laughs> somebody somewhere has got my biometric measurements, and oh my god, they're gonna go do whatever. And then I start one day, I start thinking about, like, first off, what's I don't know. I mean, what are you? What are you going to gain by understanding what my biometrics of my face looks like? But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's just one of those things where I didn't want to do that for a long time because I didn't really trust what it was going to where it was doing. What it was. now? My kids, on the other hand, oh, right away. Like, why wouldn't you not do this? I don't care. It's just because it's what it mean, It's there. So you might as well take advantage of it. And I'm like, well, oh, there's there's rep, you know repercussions, all this stuff. You kind of have to understand what it is you're doing. But I think that's the difference in growing into technology and growing up with technology. I think those are two, Mm. two two different, two different things that you're looking at there. I mean, there's when you're when you're when you've only been immersed in that the whole time, your entire life, your ability to adapt and change the technology is is not near as hard as if you go from having a a flip phone to. I used to think texting was the dumbest thing on the planet. Why would I text you when I can call you? That is so stupid. And now
0: I had that same thought. You
1: know, now like why would I why would I call you when I could text you? (laughs)
0: <laughs> we have we have data, and we'll get into this of our next few conversations on how we have tools to help dealers move more online and sell more digitally, but we have data that shows that um, someone is 40% more likely to respond to a text than a call.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I believe that 100%. Because I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. We're all – people have called me, and I just text them back. Hey, I'm doing something <laughs> yeah. right now, but what's up, you know? Can't talk to you. right now, yeah. but text me, you know? Yeah, um, yes. Give me the point.
0: Scary. Bottom line is for me. Yeah. Bottom line is for me.
1: That's the, yeah. that's part of that other side of the technology thing, too, is that, cause you remember what dial up was like? You know? I, oh, I, yeah. My, my, see, I got internet. My girlfriend had just got internet at her house and I was over there doing a report or something like that. And I remember the page took like two and a half minutes to load. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever because I couldn't have found that information yes. in two and a half minutes in a book. You know,
0: it would load like one inch at a time, yeah. slowly from top to bottom, and you could see a little bit more and a little bit more. Yeah, bit and more. now
1: if that happens today, you're calling your your internet provider, going, "What what's the problem? Oh, what, yeah, what you, are. Are you guys doing it to address is. this? Yeah, just so far demanding up, so, a refund.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the same, but the same thing is happening with our experience of how we buy things. Yep.
1: That's exactly your right. Your customers
0: are not willing are not willing to wait for a minute to two minutes for your quote to load. They're yeah. not, they're not going to wait. They're going to find another option.
1: Yep. And that's, and we're seeing that we've, we've seen that on so many different um, surveys and stuff that we've put out there about, you know, you know, it took me uh took your sales guy, you know, four days to get back to me with a quote. Well, yeah. That same guy that took four days, you know, when he was dealing with, with dad, that was perfectly fine. You know what I mean? It's just yes. now Now he's not dealing with that. He wants that he's dealing with son. Son wants it that afternoon, you know, and yes, it's just like the, well, you know, you've seen the stuff, you know, you get the email about, um, you know, I'm interested in buying X and it comes across the thing. If you don't respond to that in the, in the, in the first three minutes that you see that come through, they've, they've moved on and went to somebody else and I've already bought some. It's just, it's amazing how fast the speed is, but back to your thing there, yeah. when you go to the car dealership, right you're already 85% sure what you want, maybe even more than yes. that. You're just looking to go check a few boxes just to make sure that's exactly what it is that you want. So that's that's a, it. You know,
0: that's, that's it. A, but that's what's so special <laughs> about the heavy equipment market, especially the ag market is you're somewhat just checking to make sure that the person that you know and trust that you're, the Casey that you know and trust is giving you the thumbs up that it's the right decision. Right. It's, it's not what it was five years ago where you were going through some dumb negotiation. It's somewhat already pre-negotiated. You're really just saying, yeah, this is the right machine for your business strategy and what you're trying to do. We think this is the right machine for you and we agree with your decision. And that's, they're looking at that stamp of validation because they know you're going to be for them, be there for them if and when the combine catches on fire and then you got to bail them out
1: right yeah and i think i think that's, that's a good point is the uh now we have so much data that we can draw off these machines to show how much you've actually utilized the horsepower range that you that you're using how much idle time yes. have, how much work time had to have all these different metrics that you can sit down and talk to a guy with and and unfortunately um you know the hours of depreciation are the same whether it was at work or at idle and you know some of these machines yes. we see like they've idled for 60 percent of the time and, you know, you look at a 200 hour machine and you spent, you know, 40 hour or 40% of that time frame was at work. And that's a lot of hours that you just let set there that, that you're paying for. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's another option. Uh, I think that, that people are, are growing more accustomed to too, because that used to be, that's just big brother watching me do what I'm doing. You know, why, why do, you know, if you can see where it's at, so can somebody else and, that's kind of gone away too, you know? So, I mean, again, I think it goes back to that growing into technology and growing up with technology are two different things.
0: Uh, it's a different market. Interest rates are going up. We have to be better. There's less yep. margin there. Things yep. are getting more expensive. They either yep. take take, take, take your poison. Your inflation's going up or interest rates are going up. Either way, things are different. We have to be that much better at serving our customers right now.
1: That's right. hundred percent. Well, that's a good, that's a lot of good stuff right there, Charles. If you were, if you were to wrap this up and put a bow on this what, what would be your synopsis of what we talked about so far today
0: my conclusion right now is that how people buy has changed how people research have has changed and because people now start their research for what they want to buy over their phone if your selling experience is not set up for how people are buying then you're behind the curve mm-hmm. and so through these series of conversations i want people to understand how we have built tools for the dealer to allow them to sell in the way that
1: their customers are now buying. Right on, man. Well, good stuff, man. I love having these conversations with you, Charles. If folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over to Arrow, what's the best way to do that?
0: Uh, email me, please. Charles at Hey Arrow, wcom Right on.
1: Charles, appreciate you being the podcast, man.
0: Thanks, Casey. Talk to you soon.
1: Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast there. You can also go to movingironllc.com and you can find everything Moving Iron related there, latest blog posts, latest everything there. So, all the information for the Moving Iron Summit is coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. That's already been booked for 2023. So, check that out if you're interested in doing that. That'd be great. Uh, check that out. Charles, like I said, was there last year. Hope he comes back again this year. And, uh, is another one of his his speeches about what he's got seen happen in the marketplace so with that i'm casey seymour with Charles anderson let's go Moussmeier, folks
0: thanks to casey and charles for sharing their conversation with us you can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters visit www.farm-equipment.com for casey as well as our entire staff here at farm equipment i'm kim schmidt thanks for listening